Welcome to Gateway Church's podcast. Wherever you're tuning in from, we hope you're encouraged by today's message. Well, you can be seated. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, you like my pink coat? I like my pink coat. Well, pastor said that he talked me into taking a little more time and Actually, I said, could I talk you out of that 35 minutes into 45? And so I talked him down and got a little more time out of him. Dave, you stand up and say a quick hello to everybody. Well, we have four grown children, 12 grandchildren, and uh, two great-grandchildren, and all I can tell you is the more of them you get, the more expensive it is. <laughs> we only have one month out of the year where there's no birthdays, and that's, that's a month to relax. I want to ask a question. Um, is there anybody here who would admit that you ever have problems with jealousy? And I'll ask again so the people who wouldn't put your hand up the first time will put it up this time. <laughs> the title of my message tonight is, What Do You Do When God Doesn't Pick You? Hmm. <laughs> I heard somebody groan down here in the front. <laughs> I don't know if this ever happened to you, but when I was in grade school, they probably do things a little different now, but when I was in grade school, I can remember the way that we played softball at recess. They would take everybody that was going to play, and you'd stand over here, and then they would pick two captains, and then the captains would take turns picking who they wanted on their team. And the worst nightmare in the world was to be the one that was left standing last that didn't get picked. I'll tell you what, every insecurity that anybody ever had came out at that moment. I think that was a foolish way to do it. It could have been very traumatic for some people, but, you know, we don't all get picked for everything, obviously, and we don't all get picked for what we think we would like to do. And sometimes God tests us and he doesn't pick us, at least not at that time, just to see how we'll respond and see if we can be a blessing to whoever was picked. In the Bible, we have an interesting analogy, I think, between Noah and Abram. Noah, of course, built the ark and he was made fun of. Nobody had ever seen rain. What in the world does he think he's doing? I, I don't know how long it took him to do it, but I can imagine that he went through a lot while he was trying to obey God. And at the end, God really blessed him, and he, he made a covenant with him, and he said, It'll never, I'll never flood the earth again, and he sealed that covenant with a rainbow. And you know, rainbows are beautiful. How many of you like to see a rainbow after a hard rain? And so 
I'm sure that after all that Noah had gone through, that he needed a rainbow day. How many of you could use a rainbow day right now in your life? Well, then we have another man who comes along in the Bible named Abram. And he also went through a lot. God told him to take everything that he had, leave everybody that he knew, and go to a place that I will show you. He wouldn't even tell him where he was going to go. And he traveled around from place to place and wandered around. And God also came to make a covenant with him. And he said, told him all the things that that he would do. He said, um, in Genesis 12, 1 through 3, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all people on the earth will be blessed through you. Now, he kept telling him what he would do, but as of yet, he hadn't done anything. And then he told Abram that he was making this covenant with him, and he said, the thing that you have to do now to seal this covenant is circumcise all the males in your family, all the males that work for you. So what happens if you need a rainbow and you get a circumcision instead? (laughs) I... I don't imagine that he was too popular with the guys right then. And a circumcision is the cutting back of the flesh. And so many times we would love to have a rainbow. We'd love to have something that feels good. We'd love to be the one that's picked. We'd love to get the promotion. We'd love to be the one that's asked to be the worship leader. We would love to be the one that gets the new house or the new car. And instead, we get something that deals with our flesh and causes us to have to grow more in God. Now, if Abram had any written information and he could have read about Noah, I wonder how he felt when he got his circumcision and he read about Noah's rainbow. I wonder if he thought, oh, that's so nice. I'm going to pray for him to be blessed more. (laughs) I rather doubt that, don't you? God has different things for different people. And what we need to learn how to do is be happy for those that are blessed the way God blesses them and be content to believe that what God gives us is what we need at the time that we get it. You know, I remember one time, I certainly needed a rainbow day. I was at a place in my life where I was believing God for ministry and I had quit my full-time job to study for this ministry that I thought I was gonna have someday. You know, I was still in that place where Abraham was. I will do this, I will do this, I will do this, I will do this. And I had waited and waited and waited and 
nothing much was happening. And I thought surely if I quit this job, this full-time job, that God would just pour out his blessings and we'd have more and more. But instead, for six long years, we had to believe God for every single thing that we needed. <clears throat> I did bought all my kids' clothes at garage sales and bought their shoes at garage sales. And I mean, I had a good job making good money. And then all of a sudden, we were $40 short every month of being able to pay our bills. And we had to have a $40 a month miracle just to be able to get by. And that didn't include having anything extra. If anything extra came along, then that was an extra burden. And so I, I really needed God to do something for me. I desperately was at a place where I needed one of those rainbow days. And my pastor happened to stop by the house and he was a young man in ministry. He was actually 10 years younger than I was. And he was getting started in ministry and taking speaking engagements and things as well as pastoring the church. And he had just come back from a conference that he had done, and he was so excited, and he told me about the offering that they gave him, and, and he told me about how this man came up to him and said, I want to partner with you for $200 a month, and he told me something else good that happened, and I don't know if I looked like I was going to faint or what, but he, he looked at me, and he said, is it all right that I'm telling you this? And I said, oh, yeah, praise the Lord. I am so happy for you. That's, that's just awesome. And I'm telling you, I couldn't wait till he got out of my house so I could have, go have a, a fit somewhere. And he left, and I went and threw myself across my daughter's bed, and I cried, and I cried, and I cried, and I cried, and I cried. But I made a decision that day. I said, you know, Lord, if nothing ever happens for us financially, we will always tithe and give our offerings from now until the time you bring us home. And you know what? From this day until that, God has prospered us a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, and a little bit more. But you know something? Sometimes there's a time to give your testimony and sometimes there's a time to keep your mouth shut. And we need to be sensitive to what other people are going through and not necessarily, you know, like if they've obviously got the flu and they're coughing and hacking and, you know, that's not the time to tell them how that almost came on you last week, but you prayed and got healed. <laughs> you know, that's the time to just have some compassion and be, be kind to them. Because if you're having a rainbow and they're having a circumcision, it's not very much fun. <laughs> Amen. Jealousy, the Bible says, rots the bones. It's a terrible thing. I was thinking a couple of days ago, you know, there's enough pain in the world and we all have, each one of us has enough pain of our own, whether it's physical pain or emotional pain from things you've been through in the past or things you're going through now or financial burdens that you're going through that the devil tries to bring enough stuff against us that we don't need to help him by doing things to make ourselves miserable. Now, I don't want you to miss this. I'm going to tell you three things that we do where we make ourselves miserable. 
Number one, worry. Worry is totally and completely useless. It's like rocking in a rocking chair all day. It keeps you busy, but you get nowhere. <laughs> it doesn't solve your problems. It doesn't move the hand of God. All it does is torment you. The second thing is unforgiveness. So many people in the church are harboring unforgiveness toward other people. It's absolutely astounding how many people come to church mad and sometimes coming to church mad at the person you're coming to church with. <laughs> Amen? It's the biggest open door that Satan has into the lives of Christians. And the thing you got to realize is when God tells us to forgive other people, he's not doing, doing it for them. He's doing it for us. Because when you hold unforgiveness against someone, it doesn't hurt them. They can be out having a good time and don't even care that you're upset. But when you forgive, you do yourself a favor. Now, that's not what I'm teaching on tonight, but I just want to encourage you, if any one of you is holding unforgiveness against anyone for anything, anyone for anything, maybe what they did to you was unjust and unfair, but God can bring justice to you and he can give you a double reward for your farmer trouble. God is a God of justice. But you have to remember that he's not going to do that unless you forgive them and let go of whatever it is you're holding against them. And so I just pray if you're holding anything against anybody that you'll make that decision to leave it, let it go, drop it, and don't take it out of here with you. And the third thing that came to my mind was this nonsense about jealousy. What if you... We're a pastor here tonight, and you've pastored a church for, I don't know, 20 years, and you have 200 people, and a new guy comes to town and opens up a church a mile down the street from you, and after four months, he's got 1,000 people strong. Do you reach out to him in friendship? Do you maybe give him an offering to help buy his new sound system? <laughs> or do you have little nasty things to say about him? <laughs> it's amazing the things that people find wrong with you when you're succeeding. I said, it's amazing the things that people find wrong with you when you're succeeding. I mean, I know people, young, young men that are coming up in ministry and young women and God's blessing their ministries and they're doing so good. And, you know, some of the folks that have been around for a while, they just got to find something wrong with them. Got to find something wrong. And it's nothing but jealousy. And it's one of the worst things that we can do. I'm going to make a statement and I want you to remember this. Until you can be happy for somebody who got what you wanted, <laughs> you're never going to get yours. 
That's your Mother's Day gift. <laughs> Let me say it again. Until you can be happy for somebody who got what you wanted, you're never going to get yours. Amen? I tell this story often, but I'll never forget back, and I'll call them my stupid days. You know, I was a believer, but didn't have a whole lot of sense yet. Didn't even know how to pray for the things I really needed. I just prayed for stuff that I wanted. And back then, a lot of ladies wore fur coats, and it was almost kind of like a status symbol if you had a fur coat. And um, so I was believing God for a fur coat. And I mean, I had, I wanted a full length black mink coat. And I was praying and asking God to give me this coat. And I had a neighbor that I loved with the love of the Lord, but I didn't like her much. <laughs> Come on, any of you have any people like that in your life? You, you, you love them with the love of the Lord in church on Sunday when your pastor makes you. I love you with the love of the Lord. Still trying to figure out what that is, but. <laughs> One day my doorbell rang and she said, you are not gonna believe what God gave me. And she's holding this giant box and she flipped the lid off and it was my fur coat. <laughs> And I swear, I honestly thought the angel brought it to the wrong house. I thought there is no way that God gave her that coat because I am a lot more spiritual than she is. I pray, I fast, and she just runs around and has fun and gives $2 a week, and there is no way. Well, you see, I needed a circumcision. And by the way, the Bible still talks about circumcision in the New Testament. It's just a circumcision of the heart. And I had a wrong heart attitude. My attitude needed to be changed. First of all, I wasn't even for prayer. I mean, I had so many desperate needs just in my attitude alone. The last thing I needed to be praying for was a fur coat. <laughs> and so what did God do? He gave it to somebody that he knew it was going to irritate me if he gave it to her. <laughs> and, but I, I did the Christian thing. Oh, praise the Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. That's so good. And inside, I'm thinking, God, if you don't get her out of my house, I am going to have a screaming fit right now. Well, she left, and I tell you what, the stuff that came out of me was ugly. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And God did that to bring out of me things that were in me that were really preventing me from being blessed, but I didn't even know they were in there. And you know, sometimes we can have stuff in our life and stuff in our attitude that we don't even really know is there until something happens 
that forces us to have to take a look at ourselves. You know, most of the time, we think that any problem we have is somebody else's fault. But you know what? I think about 90% of our problems are just a bad attitude. And I was jealous of her, just plain and simple, jealous, and I was judgmental toward her because I felt like I was more spiritual than she was, and that was really my big problem. I thought I was better than she was. I don't suppose any of you have a problem like that. (laughs) What about when you've written a book and your book sells four copies? Pastor Mike, Mike and Penny, who travel with us, he, he wrote a book a couple of years ago, and he offered it on Amazon, and he told me a few months ago, he said, I got my royalty check, and it was what? How much? $6.79. $6.79. And... <laughs> 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 And then you have Robert Morris sitting a few seats down here. (laughs) And I tell you what, Pastor Mike is one of the most faithful men I have ever seen in my life. I mean, he is just wonderful. He's our staff pastor, and he, he knows everybody in the building by name. He knows their kids' names. I mean, he visits everybody in the hospital. He is just a wonderful, wonderful blessing. And you would think in the natural, if anybody would be blessed, you know, through the writing of that book, it would be him. But no, that's not what God chose for him. Robert got the rainbow. But you know what? They even still like each other. (laughs) And that's the good news. What about your friend gets the promotion at work that you wanted? One position open. Two people want the same position. You can't both get it. Both are praying. We have to leave it up to God. You know, when Judas messed up and they needed to elect a new 12th apostle, there were two men that were being considered, Matthias and Barnabas. And Barnabas didn't get picked. Matthias did. And it's interesting, you never hear another thing about that man in the Bible. Not one other thing. But Barnabas got passed over, and you know what he did? He went home, he went to his hometown, he sold every single thing that he had, and he brought all the money back, and he laid it at the apostles' feet, including Matthias, to be used in the kingdom of God. Now, that's a man with character that God's going to use. He got passed over. He didn't get picked. But he took everything that he had and blessed the man 
who'd get picked. Now, what if you have a friend who loses 30 pounds? And you know, every time somebody loses weight, we want to know how they did it. And I actually had this happen one time. The girl said, you know, I've been drinking a gallon of water a day and walking 30 minutes every morning. And I thought, well, first of all, if I drank a gallon of water a day, I would drown. But <laughs> so what if, what if you have a friend that just says, well, you know, I've just been walking 30 minutes a day and drinking a lot of water and all this waste just fallen off her and you've been starving yourself for two months and you've lost two pounds. <laughs> oh, it's so hard not to be jealous of these little skinny people that can eat everything they get their hands on and your metabolism's in a coma. You know, you're like, forget a slow metabolism, mine's in a coma. It doesn't even work anymore. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. But here's somebody who had a, a good insight into the way that we need to feel. In John chapter 3, verse 25, it says, Therefore there arose a controversy between some of John's disciples and a Jew in regard to purification. So they came to John, this was John the Baptist, and reported to him, Rabbi, the man with whom, who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, at the Jordan crossing, and to whom you yourself have borne testimony. He was talking about Jesus. John baptized Jesus, said, here's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. They said, now, he's baptizing, and everybody's flocking to him. We're losing our crowd and he's getting more popular than you, John. Well, it didn't make John the Baptist jealous at all. John answered, a man, I just, this is from the Amplified Bible. This is so good. John answered, a man can receive nothing. He can claim nothing. He can take unto himself nothing except as it is granted to him from heaven. A man must be content to receive the gift which is given him from heaven. There is no other source. So you know what? You might as well make friends with your thighs. <laughs> make friends with your metabolism. Make friends with the gifts that you have. I am a great communicator, but I cannot sing. You know what they do during praise and worship in my conferences? They turn my microphone off. <laughs> they don't just turn it down, they turn it off. Because whatever key I sing in, <clears throat> nobody knows what it is. <laughs> not only can I not sing in the right timing. I can't even clap in the right timing. Sometimes Dave will poke me and say, you're clapping when you're not, you know, you're supposed to do it on the right thing. And I seem to always get it on the wrong thing. But I can preach. I can't sing, but I can preach. 
And you know what? There's none of us, not one of us gets everything, but everybody gets something. Okay? And instead of looking at what you don't have and what you can't do, and being jealous of the people who have what you think you want, trust God enough to realize that if that was really the best thing for you to have, then you would have that. Come on, somebody could just get set free. Somebody, I believe, in one of these campuses or one of the overflows or somebody watching online, surely somebody could get set free from being dissatisfied because you don't have this and you don't have that. Stop comparing yourself with other people. Stop competing with other people. I don't believe anybody is free until they no longer have a need to impress other people. You can't enjoy your life as long as you're trying to impress other people. You know, God puts gifts in other people for you. The gift that he's given me to teach and preach the word of God, it's in me for you. It's not in me for me. All it causes me is a lot of work. <laughs> You're the one that gets to sit there and enjoy it. These people who led worship up here tonight had such beautiful voices. That gift causes them to work. And we just get to sit out there and enjoy it. But you know what God has taught me? If I'm jealous of what they have, sitting there wishing I had it, then I can't enjoy it. The beautiful gifts that God puts in people, he doesn't put those gifts in people for you to be jealous of them or for me to be jealous of them and then dislike those people because we don't have those gifts. And that's what happens. If we are jealous of other people, then we do, we find fault with them. Anytime that we want what somebody else has and we don't have it and we have a wrong attitude, we always find some kind of fault with them. There's something about them that we can find wrong. You know, I, this is just my own opinion but I believe it. I believe Peter was probably jealous of John because I know Peter's personality. And you know, it's recorded in the Bible at least seven times. John said, I'm the disciple whom Jesus loved. <laughs> now, I don't know about you, but I would have had a real hard time with that. Yes, I'm the disciple that Jesus loved. Now, Mike and I, Mike, Pastor Shepherd and I were talking about this coming here, and probably he just had a great revelation on how much God loved him, and he wasn't trying to be a smart aleck, but nonetheless, if you, got, if you had any kind of insecurity or jealousy in you at all, that was going to be irksome. <laughs> I'm the disciple whom Jesus loves. Well, in John 21, beginning in verse 14, most of you will recognize this. Jesus said to Peter, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Well, feed my sheep. Second time, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Well, feed my lambs. Third time he asked Peter, 
Peter, do you love me? By now it's beginning to bother Peter that Jesus keeps asking him the same thing over and over. And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Well, feed my sheep. Well, this is kind of just a little side note to that message, but the bottom line of that whole thing is, well, if you really love me, then go help somebody. Let me just throw this out for free. <laughs> Has nothing to do with my message tonight, but let me just throw this out for free and you can tuck it in your pocket and take it home with you. What are you doing to help somebody else? I mean, it's just a little bit too quiet. <laughs> Every one of us should be helping other people. There's no way we can be selfish and happy. Amen. It's just not possible. So he said, well, if you love me, then help somebody. Then he goes on to tell Peter, he said, very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went about wherever you wanted to go. And I, I think he meant when you were a younger Christian, when we're baby Christians, we kind of just do our own thing. God puts up with it, and he's still got a lot of work to do in our life. But he says, when you grow older, or let's just say he means when you mature more, another will lead you and take you places where you do not wish to go. And he said, he said this to Peter to indicate to him by what kind of death he would die in order to glorify the Lord. And we know that Peter was crucified upside down on a cross. When they told him he was going to be crucified, he asked to be crucified upside down because he didn't want to be crucified like his Lord was. He thought he was not good enough for that. But here's the part that I love. Okay, he just said, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Now, there's going to be some harder things happen in your life, and this is the kind of death you're going to die to glorify me. And, and what does Peter say to that? Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved, <laughs> well, of course he was there, was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? And when Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? <laughs> you know, these were just people just like we are. I mean, they had arguments. They're walking down the road with Jesus arguing about which of them is the greatest. What about this man? What's going to happen to him? Now listen. Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I come back, what is that to you? In other words, if I could just put it plainly because I only have nine minutes left. <laughs> what God decides to do with other people is absolutely none of our business. I mean, it just really, truly is none of our business. 
What we need to do is deal with our own stuff and trust God that he knows what he's doing. And you know, I don't know why God chose this message for me to preach here tonight. I've got thousands of messages I could pull out and preach, but I, I trust God that whatever message he gives me wherever I go, it's the message I'm supposed to bring for that particular place. And I really do believe, not everybody here, of course, but some people have an issue with this. And there may even be some things stuck in you that have been stuck there for a long, long time. And tonight can be your night of freedom. And maybe you've been wondering where your blessings are. Well, if you're jealous of somebody else, that's got to go before the blessings can pour in. You remember Rachel and Leah in the Bible? Very interesting story. Two sisters. Jacob comes along and he lays eyes on Rachel and the Bible says that she had a lovely figure and was beautiful. <laughs> and may he wanted to marry her. And the Bible says of Leah, <laughs> this is in Genesis 29, 16. Leah was the older sister, and according to their custom, the older sister always got married first. So by rights, Leah should have gotten married first, but he wanted Rachel. And it says Leah had weak eyes. <laughs> I think that's a nice way of saying she was the ugly sister. <laughs> well, I could be nicer and say she was unattractive, but let's just cut to the chase. <laughs> Maybe there's somebody here tonight <clears throat> and you felt like the ugly sister in the family. Maybe there's a man here and you had a brother that was an all-star in every sport and you couldn't hardly bounce a ball and catch it. Or maybe you had a sibling that was extremely smart and always got great grades and you struggled and had a hard time. And I just wonder how many people are in here or watching online or in one of the other campuses and and you have somebody in your own family, a sibling that you haven't been able to love just because they had something you didn't have. And you were jealous of them. And yes, I'm going to have an altar call, so get ready. <laughs> you say, well, I'll just repent to the Lord when I get home. No, the Bible says confess your faults to one another that you may be healed and restored. There's nothing better for us than to stand up in front of everybody else and say, yes, I have a problem with this and I'm confessing it. Something breaks off of you when you do that. Amen? And I believe that however many hundreds of thousands of people this message goes to online and in all these campuses. And I mean, they gave me a pretty big number. 
surely there's going to be some repenting going on some night tonight and some restoration of some relationships in families and maybe even in churches. Oh, yes, there's jealousy in churches. Well, Jacob worked seven years to get Rachel, and Laban, his uncle, got him drunk, and he woke up the next morning and had Leah with her weak eyes next to him. (laughs) And I'm sure he got miffed about that, but you know what he probably forgot? He probably forgot all the stuff that he did to Esau. Because what goes around comes around. And a lot of times when something happens to us, we don't understand why it's happening to us, but we forget that we did the same thing to somebody else way back over here somewhere. Amen? And so then he had to work another seven years, and he finally got Rachel. But you know the thing that I find really interesting about that story is Rachel could not conceive children, and Leah had child after child after child. Okay, well, Leah had, she wasn't maybe as pretty, and it didn't say anything about her having a lovely figure, but she had children, which was very important in those days. Rachel was beautiful and had a lovely figure, but she was unable to have children for a long, long time. Eventually, she finally did. And through studying that story, God taught me nobody gets everything, but everybody gets something. So if you stop looking at what you don't have and what somebody else has that you wish you had, and you let God show you what you do have, then you can begin to function in and enjoy what you do have instead of being jealous of what you don't have. Amen? Can anybody say amen? Now, let me just ask. If you're here tonight and you have have had because tonight you're going to leave it. (laughs) A problem in this area, there's somebody in your family, a friend, somebody you work with, somebody in church, that you've got this nasty jealousy stuck inside of you, and you want to leave it and get rid of it, I want to pray for you. In every campus, wherever you're at, you're watching from home, you can join us. I'm going to ask you to be bold and just stand up right now so I can pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. The best way to get set free is to be honest. Well, we got all good people in the balcony. I can't see hardly any of you standing up. Oh, there you are. All right, we're going to pray. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would break this bondage of jealousy off of these people and that they would go free from this place tonight 
and be able to bless those who have what they want, trusting that whatever is right for them, you will give it to them at the exact right time. Help them see the gifts they have and enjoy them. And if they need to go and make peace with somebody, I especially feel like there's some siblings that they need to go and just make peace with and maybe even repent to them for being jealous of them so we can have healing in the body of Christ and your strong anointing back and be a witness to the world. I thank you, Father, for breaking these bondages and for setting these people free. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to connect with us, text CONNECT to 71010 or visit gatewaypeople.com. We hope you have a great week.